it seems like this, you are watching me to see if I'll forget. <laughs> Makes me nervous. <laughs> okay, let's go for it. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Amen. Please be seated. How can you be guaranteed victory in the good fight of faith? If you're asking what fight, then we really need to sit you down and talk to you. We are in a fight. It's constant. We are constantly dealing with one thing or the other. Everyone is dealing with something. And you have to learn to fight. Satan will come at you with your kids, your finances, your health, your job, your retirement. He's going to come at you. And it's a fight. We have to fight. But the Bible calls it a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because you win. If you don't give up, you will always win. So there are three things, three weapons that we have to have to win this fight. You know, in my lifetime as a Christian, I will always hear about put on the whole armor of God. So that you will be able to withstand all the wiles of the enemy. So we all, sometimes our Christians have said, well, they wake up in the morning, well, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. And then they're just saying, those, those things are good. But if you are putting, all the armor, putting on all the armor of God and you are filled with fear, you are not able to fight. You put all the armor and it weighs you down. The children of Israel, I said last Wednesday, the children of Israel before Goliath, they had all their armor on. And the one who killed Goliath had no armor on. His armor, he was fearless. They were running from Goliath. He was running towards Goliath. Because he had no fear. And so God has not given us the spirit of fear. We need to recognize that. God has not given us the spirit of fear. And, 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 and uh, in uh, Romans chapter 8, I believe verse 15, it says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. So when you are afraid, you are already a victim. You are already a bond- in bondage. You cannot win when you are in fear, you're already defeated. You can put on all the armor you want to put on, but if you are afraid, you are going to be defeated. And so Satan's tactics is to keep you afraid. But even if you feel the fear in your body, Joyce Meyer said, do it afraid. Obey God's word. Don't, don't listen to your feelings because we walk by faith and not by sight, not by feelings. Still do what God says, and you'll get the victory. So Satan's tactic is to cause you to be afraid. Something comes in the mail. You were happy, smiling a minute ago. Now you open that mail, and it says something to you. The next minute you're crying. Everybody, what happened? Because you read something from the mail that's against your life. But in situations like that, If Jesus were standing by you, what will he say to you? Don't be afraid. Only believe. 
all things are possible to him who believes. No matter what the problem is, you can have victory if you don't have fear. If you're afraid, then there is no need to believe. There is nothing to believe in. So get to replace your fear with your faith. And that's when you will make it. That's number one. The second one is very, very important. God's presence. God's presence. And I'll tell you why this is important. The Bible talks about the consciousness of sin. If you have a consciousness of sin, you will not have the consciousness of God's presence. And if you don't have the consciousness of God's presence, you will be afraid when trouble is approaching you. You remember Adam? Adam was okay until he felt like he wasn't okay with God anymore. And he said, I heard your voice. That's the God that will bring deliverance to him. The God that will bring something good to him. And he said, I was afraid. He hid himself. The Bible tells us this. In Psalm 97 verse 5. It says, the mountains melt. Like wax. At the presence of the Lord. No matter what mountain is coming against your life. When God shows up. That mountain will melt. I don't care if it's the mountain of death or financial trouble. Whatever it is, if God shows up, that mountain is going to melt. It says the mountains, not just one mountain, the mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. At the presence of the Lord of the old earth. Meaning God has full control of your life. Your situation, everything that's happening in the world, especially for those that are his, he has absolute control. So no matter what mountain is coming against your life, no matter how high the mountain you have to to climb, if God shows up, that mountain is going to melt. So all I need is the presence of the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us in Psalm 16, verse 11, you will show me the path of life. How many want God showing them the path of life? He leads me in the path of righteousness. For what? For his name's sake. Why? Because you are called by his name. You are called by his name. So he shows you the path of life. And then he says, your presence is fullness of joy. When you have God's presence, it doesn't matter what's happening in your life. God's going to take care of you. Notice, it's not your presence, there is joy. No, it's fullness of joy. And remember what the Bible says, the joy of the Lord, what? It's your strength. You can't win when you have no joy. But when God's present in your life, you have joy. There is no way you can be defeated. No one can defeat you. Because you have no fear, you have joy. If you have fear, you won't have joy. You'll be crying. So in God's presence is fullness of joy. And in, even in His presence, even though you're going through difficult times, God's showing you what path to take. 
to come out of the trouble. And he's creating new paths for you. He can make a way through the sea for you. He can give you food in the desert. He can make quails to rain down on you so you eat until you're tired of eating meat. If you're crying for meat. He can do whatever. God will protect you. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are stuff for you to enjoy forevermore. Amen. That's God's presence in your life. He he fills you with confidence. And you are totally unafraid when God's presence is with you. I, 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 remember, I think I showed this video here. There was a, a video of uh, some women. They were having some kind of uh, party, but showing stuff. And an armed robber came in. Maybe many of you saw that video. And they, at first they all cowed. And then the presence of the Lord, amen, <laughs> showed up. And something rose in her. And she got up and pointed her finger, I rebuke you. And the guy, if you saw that video, he looked around. He was seeing something no one could see. I'm sure a mighty angel was telling him, if you don't leave that, you're going to be dead. You're going to be dead, son. And the woman said, he looked as if he was seeing something. He never turned around. He backed off and took off. No fear when you are in God's presence. There's no need to be afraid. You know, you'd read about Jesus. And now I found out, you know, Jesus, he had so much confidence. And as I was studying, I realized why. And he says it, if you read the scriptures, you, you go past these things, you don't realize what you're reading and what he's actually saying. The confidence and the fearlessness he had. Listen to these words. In John chapter 8, verse 29. He was telling the Jews, he says, And he who sent me is with me. I'm not alone. He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. So even though he was having opposition, he could care less. He who sent me is right here with me. I have no reason to be afraid of you. None of you. He's right here with me. The Father has not left me alone. So even though they were picking up stones, he wasn't afraid. He knew his Father was with him. And he made it clear to them. I'm not scared of you because, you see, even though you see me, you can't see my Father, he's with me right here. I've got no reason to be afraid. It's hard for a bully to bully his, another child when the Father is sitting, uh, sitting right by the child, right? Will, you, will a child bully his friend that he's been bullying if the father is sitting back there like that? The boy knows I can get away with anything with this bully. He's not going to move. My father is here. Amen. That's what it is. You have no reason to be afraid when God's there with you. Jesus said, for I always do the things that pleasing. That's the key there. That's the key there. You know what pleases God? Obedience. God knows none of us perfect. But when He's telling you to do something, 
even though it doesn't make sense to you, do it. That pleases him. We cannot understand the difference between David and Saul. Humanly speaking, if you look at their transgressions, it seems like David did worse things. Because all Saul did, and if you read the story, if you are thinking from just the natural viewpoint, you feel sorry for Saul. Because at one stage, his first transgression was Simon was supposed to show up so that they can kill an animal for sacrifice before going to war. And Samuel did not show up at the right time. Everyone was going away. They wanted to fight. And Saul said, I forced myself to do the sacrifice. But God already said, you can't do that. You are not a priest. You can't do that. He had natural reasons why he did what he did. But that was displeasing to God. And then God said, kill the Amalekites. Well, he used his mind. And he decided, that that doesn't make sense. God doesn't understand really well. I mean, why should you kill these beautiful animals and all these beautiful people? We'll we'll keep this one. God understands. He doesn't. But you see, David transgressed in an area where he was not specifically commended. Just a general thing for everyone. And when he found out, he was sorry about it. But if you look at David's transgression, he killed the husband of the woman he had committed adultery with, trying to hide that stuff. I mean, that's murder. That's horrible. And even plotted to have the guy right in the place where he, that fellow carried his own death sentence. In, nat- in natural terms, we'll kill you. I mean, you're not living. That would be really bad if you put it in the news. And say, who did, who did worse, Saul or David? Giving the man his death sentence in his hand without the guy he respected you. He didn't even open it. And then he lost his life. And then you took his wife. And that would be horrible in human terms. Compared to what Saul did. But God rejected Saul. And went after David. Why? Because when God gave commandment to David, specific commandment, he was careful to follow through. It's the difference. No one is perfect. But God has specific commandments that he's given to every one of us. Especially what he's dealing with you in your own life. And those are the ones to heart. The Christian life, every one of us. My angel and I had to struggle. Do, do, do we do this? <laughs> Should we quit doing everything and then go into ministry? How is that going to turn? Today it will be easy. So, well, you have a church like this, but you couldn't see it from then on. And when things get really tough, when you can't feed your kids, and you preach and there's no offering, you want to think, I don't know if God's in this. This is where the, 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 the rubber hits the road. It's really important that you obey him. Because once you disobey, his presence gone. Especially in that specific thing that God's telling you to do. It's different from what he's telling everybody to do. But you specifically, that's the important thing. What's God calling you to do in the church? Is it to teach Sunday school? 
You're doing it faithfully. Has God ever said to you, I want you now to start attending Sunday school? How closely did you follow through? Did you go for a while and you quit when it was inconvenient and you think God understands? If you heard it in your spirit, that's the specific commandment. And whether you like it or not, you don't quit. You stay there. I see a lot of Christians, this is where they fail. Because they don't understand and, and then everything gets cold and you don't know why. Because if that's the specific commandment, which may be, I want you to be maybe an usher. If that's what he's saying, I'm just using an example. And then somebody offends you among the ushers and you decide to quit. Well, they didn't call you, right? God called you. And you think it's something you just overlook? No. Not with him. You stay with what he's called you to do. That's the difference. Because once you go against it, his presence is gone with you and you become powerless. Remember something? His hair? Simple. Once he was gone, the presence was gone and he was powerless. You fall into defeat. So there are things general from scriptures. But there are things, I'm just speaking to every one of us. I don't know what he's asking you to do. Sometimes God asks you to do things that don't make sense. You have to follow through. If he's asking you not to go to a particular place or to avoid whatever this, even if it's a person, I don't know. A lot of people don't realize that the Bible actually says don't even eat with this person. It says that in the New Testament. Well, well, that's not right. (laughs) Who are you to tell God what's right and what's wrong? You have to listen to what he says. Otherwise, his presence will be gone, and you'll be like Samson with your hair cut off. The power is no longer there. That's the obedience here. But Jesus was clear. I always do what pleases him. How? Was he reading the scriptures constantly? No. He was listening to his father and doing what the father has called him to do. He said, I only speak, I pray, that's my desire. God, can you get me where I can only speak what I'm hearing from you to speak? And you can read in John chapter 6, when Jesus was speaking, some of the things he was saying, the, the people were leaving. You know what most pastors would do when Jesus was telling them, drink my, that's including, God help me. <laughs> When Jesus was saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And all the church members started to leave. Pastor would say, please, you guys come back. I really don't mean that. Not, not the way you're thinking. Let me explain to you. You don't have to leave. That's what you do. Jesus explained, absolutely not. He wouldn't explain anything. He asked the fellows, you also want to leave? <laughs> do you want to go away? Why? Because he was Speaking exactly what the father told him to speak. And he didn't have to apologize or even go back on it. He was ready for all of them to go, including Peter. They can, they could all, he wasn't concerned about it. That should be our attitude with regards to what God's telling us to do. But Jesus was clear. Now let me go to another scripture here about Jesus knowing fully well that his father's presence was all he needed. No matter what was 
confronting him. His father's presence was all he needed. This is what he says in John 16 verse 32. Indeed, the hour is coming. I know the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you, that's all the disciples, will scatter, will be scattered, each to his own. In other words, you're trying to protect your own life. You leave me alone. All of you will depart from me. Each to his own. And leave me alone. But then it says, and yet, I am not alone. Because the Father is with me. I'm not alone. You can all leave, but I got my Father. That's good enough. That's what we should strive to. Just His presence. And this was before Jesus had to go to the cross. His Father was with Him. And it didn't matter what was going to happen to Him. He was going to go through it. His presence. He's so powerful. If we understand that, to always know that God's presence is with you as a child of God. And if, if you have any feeling or anything, any thought in your head that God's presence is not fully with me. I'm not talking about just the feeling. Do what it takes. If you have to repent, repent. Ask God for forgiveness. Whatever you have to do so that his presence is with you. It's so very important. It's so refreshing. And God can actually speak to you. It's hard. F- and, and if you are a pastor, you know, you, you probably fully understand this. Because many times these th- thoughts come through your head. You feel like, what's going on? And I hear his voice in my spirit. Basically, don't worry about it. I'm with you. You're doing what I ask you to do. Then I'm happy again. And I don't no care anymore because his voice is so comforting. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. He'll take care of you. Even when people are saying hard things against you, he's still there because you know he's with you. And not because I've been completely perfect in my life, but I'm trying to do what he's called me to do, and and then he comforts me, I'm with you. You haven't done everything perfectly, but I'm with you. And that gives me the peace, all the peace I need. And the strength I need to know that everything is going to be well. And guess what? It will be. It will be. God, Jesus has promised us that. For every Christian, Jesus has promised you. But notice, when he made that promise, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Go into all the world. I'm going to read it. Matthew 28, verse, beginning from verse, verse 18, Jesus said to them, All power has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. I believe it's going to be on the 17th or so next, this next month. I will be teaching what I... Uh, uh, um, Discipleship class, I think it's titled First Things First. If you have, feel like you haven't been discipled or you need to really go learn and go deep in God to have the foundation well laid, I want to see you at 9.30 in the morning. I'm willing to do it. I've got, I felt like God spoken to me. I need to do this and I want to do it. And by the grace of God, we have a room to do that. 
if you're mature as a Christian and don't need that, that's okay. But if you feel like you really need your foundation, because the Bible says, if the foundation is broken, what can the righteous do? You need a solid foundation. I have a lot of friends that started with me. They are no longer in the faith. They are no longer there. To have that solid foundation is important. But it says, teaching them to observe all things. To observe all things that I have commanded you. And then Jesus said, look, lo, I am with you. How often? Always. 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 Even to the end of the world, I am with you. That should be good enough for you. Because he is not going to go against his word. He will always be with you. Even when people are against you. Even when you've messed up. But you're trying to reach out to people. And you're trying to serve God. He is with you. And that's all you need. All things work together for good. God's going to work, work for you. He's always with you. It's good to know that God's with you. And again, I'll say, if you have any reason to think that God's not really with me because I have done so and so, all you need to do is talk to him and ask him for mercy. And his presence will come right away. His mercies are new every morning. So you can ask for mercy. It's very important. David knew how important it is to have the presence of God in his life. And this is a scripture that we quote a lot. He says in Psalm 23, verse 4, Yes, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You are with me. Your presence is with me. Although I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In other words, I'm not concerned that something bad is going to happen to me. That's what he's saying. I have no concern that something bad is going to happen to me, even though I am walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I have no concern, no fear that anything evil is going to happen to me. And it tells you why. For because you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. So David knew that. So many times he was in battle, had no fear. People dying all around him, facing Goliath. God's with him. He told Goliath, I'll kill you today. This is your last day. Look at the sun now. This is the last time you see the sun on this side of heaven. You're dying today. He said, you're coming with all this javelin and all of that. I come at you with the Lord. He's with me. And that's all you need for your victory. To conquer is just God's presence. And even though Goliath seems like the shadow of death is coming down. That's what it is. Paul also understood that. Paul tells us very clearly, if God be for us, who can be against us? And I like the scripture, always so, so beautiful to read, where it says, he was in the world, and the world was made by him. 
And the word itself became flesh. And it dwelt among us. And Jesus said, if anyone believes, me, believes in me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him. And my father and I will come and make our dwelling with them. Make our home with them. So if the Father is with me, I don't have to be afraid of anything. I'm going to be victorious. The Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's Jesus himself. The presence of God. That's what will deliver into your hand your victory. The presence of God. If you are in bondage, just the presence of God can deliver you from the bondage. And every one of us carry the presence of God. It's an amazing thing. This was a long time, probably 1988. I wasn't a pastor then, but I like to act like a pastor. <laughs> I was in a church preaching, and uh, it was in a village where they practiced a lot of uh, voodoo. Uh, back, I think in Nigeria, they called that village Abraka. And uh, this, this was an unusual night, probably, Paul here I'll let you know that was an unusual night uh, i walked by a girl and she was already manifesting demons just just walking by she, she's manifesting just on, almost like a snake and and the lord i looked at one a name florence you don't know her so i can mention her name i looked at her and uh, the lord said to me She's made a covenant with her hair. And I said to her, your hair, lady, I got it. I did things really crude. Then I cut the hair off. I, I know it's different here, but if you are in Africa, it's different. The way we deal with things over there when you're dealing with demons. And I said to her, I said, Florence, I'm going to cut your hair off. And she immediately, she yelled, no. So I knew I got her real good. This is good. We got to cut her hair. And everywhere I went, she followed me. I turned behind. She's walking right behind me. I said, Florence, I've already told you, no prayer for you for deliverance unless I cut that hair. She had beautiful hair. And uh, I felt really bad. I did things crudely then. Today, I would just pour the anointing oil on the hair again. <laughs> but in those days, I didn't know better. I would snap everything off. And it's funny, you just do that and you start praying and the demon's gone. But the key thing is, God was with me and I'm glad I wasn't a pastor then. You say, well, because he's a pastor. No, he is with you. When he gave that promise, he's always with you. Everywhere you go, he's there with you. And then you don't have to be afraid of anything. And in tough situations, he really shows up. That's why I like challenges, especially when I'm in the field working with people. Because God just walks through you and it's amazing. you go back home and it's like you're outside your body watching what you're doing. And everybody thinks you really are smart. You know what you're doing. You're just learning as you go. Amen? But that's the God that we serve. He is so close to us. And he loves us dearly. And every one of us can be used of him. His presence with us. If God be for us, who can be against us? No demon. Deuteronomy 4 verse 37. Uh, the scripture is saying this here. 
It says, and because he, that's God, loves your fathers. For God so loved you and me, right? For he tells us here, because for he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them. And we are the descendants of Abraham by faith. So God's chosen us. And he brought them. He brought you, that's the children of Israel, brought you out of Egypt. How did he do it? His presence. His presence is what delivers deliverance. You remember many times in the scripture, Jesus shows up in the synagogue and a demon manifests, even before he says the word. Because the Father was present there with him. And everywhere you go, you carry the presence of God. If you have invited Jesus into your life, you carry his presence and can be victorious. You need that awareness, the consciousness of God's presence in your life for you to have victory. If you are not conscious that God's with you, they can make you afraid. Something that comes in the mail can make you afraid. A word from a friend can make you afraid. A doctor's word can make you afraid. Somebody saying, I'm going to get you, I'm a lawyer, I'm going to deal with you, that will make you afraid. But if you know God's with you, son, if you try, you're going to hurt yourself. Yes. I'm going to hurt myself. Yeah. You know him? He'll take care of you. Let him go home wondering. If he hears a noise in his house, he thinks this man's word is working now. So you speak boldly. Amen. Because you know God's with me. I like the words of Elijah. You remember? He says, if I'm a prophet of God, because it's a man of God. He says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down. Right? You remember the story? Because he knew he was a man of God. And that's what you need to know. You, God's with you and you are a child of God. You are not ordinary. You are not like the rest of them. Paul calls it mere men. God's with you. You carry God inside of you. You have to carry yourself that way so that the devil knows that you know the truth. And you know what the Bible says. And you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It says God was, he delivered them through his presence with his mighty power. So his mighty power and his presence, they go together. Amen? So every time you sense the presence of God, the power of God is with you. And Moses recognized the power of God's presence to accomplish a task. Moses was talking to God one day. This is Exodus chapter 33. And God just, you know, in passing said to Moses, My presence, that's John 33 verse 14 and 15. He said, God said to Moses, My presence will go with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Amen. There's another rest from the mouth of Jesus. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, my presence will give you rest. That means victory. Total victory. Total accomplishment. 
you will be successful in what I'm asking you to do. My presence is going to go with you and I'll give you complete rest. Mission accomplished. You have rest. That's what God was saying to Moses. And Moses heard it and thought, what? Listen to how Moses responded. Then he said to him, Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. God's already told him, I'm going with you. And Moses replied, If your presence is not going to go, we don't want to go. In fact, he listened to God and it's like, Oh my God, did he just say something about his presence? I need his presence. That's what was going on here. It's not like he didn't hear God. But the fear of going without God's presence, that was so frightening to him. He told God, look, if you're not going, if your presence is not going to go with us, we're not going anywhere. We'll stay right here. That should be our attitude. That should be our attitude. When you go out, he has promised he will always be with you, even to the end of the age. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Be conscious of God's presence in your life. And that's why it's so important. When you feel like you've done something in the way of disobedience, that's why the Bible tells us in 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because it's unrighteousness that makes us feel. It's not like God's not there. We just don't feel His presence anymore. So you can take care of that. You can take care of that. Amen. I think I have some time here. Third thing. The knowledge of the Word of God. The knowledge of the Word of God. So we have... Three weapons that we need. First, number one, is so important. Fearlessness. And fearlessness is born out of faith. If you can't say it from your mouth, you're still afraid. If you can say, I will be successful, God's going to help me to be successful, your faith is not there. And we're not just talking about money. There are things to me that are more important than being successful many wise. All my needs are going to be met. That's all I know. God's going to take care of my needs. When I need it, it's going to be there. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You establish that covenant between you and your heavenly father. No matter what's happening, even if the economy of the U.S. is coming down and nobody can eat, there's always food in Jacob's house. That's what you establish because you are this child of Jacob. Establish that. But you have to know the word. You have to know the word. Until you know what the word says, you will always be a victim. Until you know what is there in the word, that the word provides for you, You'll always be in bondage. And that's why Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You're never free until you know what the Word says about you, and you believe what it says about you. You can't stand and fight 
until you know the truth that you are more than a conqueror. That you will win in every battle. Until you have settled that in your heart, you will always be a victim. And the enemy is going to toy with your life, with your family, with your finances. Everything about your uncertainty, confused in your mind. Because you don't know what the truth says. And there's something about knowing the truth. When you are hit by these things as they come at you, and just like everybody else, there is that fear. But somewhere from the depths of your being, because you know the truth, all of a sudden, the truth begins to rise. And then the fear is gone. The fear is gone. So we must know the truth. That's what gives us victory. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 5.13, it says, Therefore my people, whose people? God's people, are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Even their honorable men, the people that they think have it, their honorable men, are famished. Because they don't have any knowledge. The multitude dried up from thirst. In other words, God could take care of their needs. But they don't know that. God could protect you, but you don't know it. So you act like the rest of the world. You're afraid. Uncertain about tomorrow. If Jesus, if you could see Jesus taking your hand and walking with you, and you can actually feel his presence, and you know his presence is with you, you are afraid of, you not, you are afraid of nothing. You are certain of tomorrow. But we don't see him. But Jesus said, blessed are those who believe even without seeing. You are more blessed when you trust him without seeing. You are more protected when you trust God, even without sin. But you see, because you see him in the word. Every time you understand what the word says, you have accepted God into your situation. If you're having financial difficulties, and you don't know what to do, But then you study the word of God and you understand that God says he will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory through Christ. And you accept that word. God and his word are the same. That means you have taken God into that situation. And there is no problem that will stand before God and remain. No problem. It's just because my people don't know. Israel don't know. If you read in Isaiah chapter 1, it talks about a horse knows his, his master. But my people don't know. They don't know who they have. They don't understand. I wish we know. I wish God would give us understanding. So we are not afraid. The ignorant Christian is a weak Christian. There are no enemies that can take you on and defeat you. 
your greatest enemy, my greatest enemy is ignorance of the word. That's just what it is. That's why the enemy doesn't want people to know the word. People don't study the scriptures. People don't know the history of the church. Talk to politicians. They'll tell you the history of the, everything. And that's what they've been following until they got where they, where they are. They know the history. We don't know the histories of what we believe. Have you spent time to understand? Have you studied, there's a book called God's General. How many know of that book? Okay, good. God's General, read. If you read about these people's lives, it is so powerful. Sometimes, you, you know, I put my hand and say, oh, God, help me. <laughs> I really don't know. I want to know. But the Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So you're never satisfied. I don't like somebody. I, when, I'm, when I'm listening, I'm listening to somebody that God's doing unusual things about in his life. And I want to know, what does he know that I don't know? God, please, let him leak out some of his secrets, okay, so I can get it. That's what I'm listening to. I'm not looking for a good sermon. I want to be just like this guy and more. Amen. I want to do something for my God. Why is he able to do that for God and I'm not able to do it? What's, go- what's wrong with me? He was born by a woman just like I was born. So what's going on here? Where am I missing it? And then it says, I fast three times a week. Okay. Uh, let's think about that. <laughs> because nothing comes to you without a price. You've got to pay the price. An ignorant Christian is a failing Christian. You can't make it without the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's the principle. As long as you remain ignorant in any area of the Christian faith, Satan will take advantage of you in that area. But once your eyes are open, then you can go, I once was blind. But now, I see. Until you see, you remain a victim. You remain in bondage. So, understanding is the key thing. Look at what it says. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Understanding is true wisdom. How things work. You know, I know how to turn on that switch to put the lights on. That's easy to do. We have a problem in the home, especially my car. When I have a problem with my car, I act like I know what I'm doing. I I just take the hood up, and all I do is look, and then walk away. (laughs) Because what to do? I don't know anything about that. But I still open it up just to look. Why? I'm not sure why I'm doing that. It doesn't make, doesn't make sense because I accomplish absolutely nothing. But that's what we do. I need somebody who knows to help me. 
Proverbs 30, verse 2 and 3, he says, Surely I am stupid than any man. Stupid than any man. And do not have the understanding of a man. I am stupid than any man. Don't have the understanding of a man. It tells you why, verse 3. I neither learned wisdom, nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of the Holy One. Knowledge of God. That's true wisdom. That's when a man is not stupid. Knowledge of the Holy One. You see, Paul said this. I am what I am by the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. By grace you are saved through faith. And that, not of yourself, it is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So only through grace we're saved. And you become whatever you become as a Christian in life, you make it only through grace. But did you know that grace, the, one of the functions of grace is knowledge. All of us can receive the same grace. Notice in the church, Paul was able to accomplish more than the rest of them. Why? The grace of God. He understood more than the rest of them. Why? The grace of God. Paul was never with Jesus. He said, nobody taught me the gospel. I got it by revelation. It was by grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. If grace is not multiplied in your life, you will suffer disgrace. You suffer shame. And grace can be multiplied. You can multiply peace in your life. You can multiply grace in your life. I know it's God's grace, but it's your duty to multiply God's grace in your life. It's your job to multiply that. Second Peter 1 verse 2, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? In the knowledge of God. That's the only way you can multiply grace. In the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said in John 17, He said, Sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. In other words, set them apart through your word. Your word is truth. Until you know God's word, you have not been set apart so that Satan can touch you. It's the word of God, it's your knowledge of the word that sets you apart. And if you are going to have victory in any area of, God, of the word of life, because the word is the word of life, if you're going to have victory, you need to know what the Word says about it. What does the will of God say about it? Not what you're feeling, not what you think. And you to hear people say, I think. I don't care what you think. I want to know what the Word says. It's not what you think. 
Because God is not going to fulfill your thoughts if it's different from what his thoughts are. So we got to stay with his thoughts. And no, nothing on earth can stand against God's word. His word change. His words can bring about change. You are transformed through the word. Romans chapter 12. You are renewed, transformed through the word of God in your life. That's what brings the transformation. So you can multiply grace. You can multiply shalom, peace. That means everything is met. No, nothing is broken. I think my time is gone. (laughs) I got to stop over here quickly. A wise man is strong. And a man of knowledge increases strength. Proverbs 24 verse 5. A wise man is strong. A wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. And we're not just talking about physical strength. That too. Because it will renew your youth as the eagles. Amen? He does that. I don't plan to be old quickly. I want to stay strong. Amen? I don't think in terms of age. I've got to do, I have work to do, and I'm not going to get weak. Amen? God's going to help me hold my body together. I'm going to go, no, I've tried this, nothing. Hello? <laughs> i got to keep going. If there's pain, I'll ignore it. That's a false symptom. I'm not going to accept it. Because the Bible says, by his stripes, I was healed. Amen? So increase your strength so you can win the world through your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the knowledge of the Word of God. Stand up with me tonight.